0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Nalini Baruch and James Elliott with me now. Price, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins speaks at his post-CAB press conference. He's just announced uh, a nearly $750 million um, to be spent in the coming years on boosting pay of defence force staff, staff rather, and upgrading infrastructure. Uh, so you will hear more about that. On Checkpoint this afternoon, but to King Charles III's coronation, I want to get to this. Did you watch it? What ceremony, what moments of unparalleled grandeur in this meticulously planned ancient ceremony, such as Penny Mordant holding that 3.5 kilogram sword straight up for almost two hours, such as when the king strips off his robe to reveal the white underclothes and receives the anointing as Handel rips through the abbey. There are not many moments on planet earth that compares to a british royal coronation. But attention now turns to how much we want to be part of it. Barbados dropped the Queen as its Head of State two years ago, instead installing a President elected by Parliament and honouring singer Rihanna as an official national hero. So I thought, well, who best to review the coronation of King Charles III then? Peter Hamilton, former Deputy Secretary of New Zealand's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, also Republic NZ, Kiamana Motuhaki Aotearoa Executive. Executive member Peter Kiora.
1: Yeah, Kiora, tena kodrua. Did you watch it? I saw excerpts of it, yes. It's a magnificent event, as you say, history from the Middle Ages coming alive. And Britain has now got its monarch, and uh, it's going to do very well for their economy.
0: And when you see royal moments like this, what runs through your mind? Or uh, amazement or an embarrassment of riches?
1: Uh, Slightly for New Zealand, uh, the feeling of colonial cringe, because I have to ask myself, what does it actually mean for Aotearoa, for New Zealand? The fact is that Charles is our head of state too, de facto. We didn't get any choice in this, but the head of state has a particular role. He is the persona, uh, the life force of our nation. He represents us domestically and internationally in key role. But we don't have that, uh, of course, because our head of state is essentially an absentee landlord and comes here very rarely. So we just don't have the benefits of a head of state that most other countries do. That's where we miss out on. And that's why we're saying we should have a referendum in New Zealand to decide whether or not we want to keep the status quo or move to something else, a republic. And we should now have the conversation over the next few years.
0: Well, be careful what you might wish for, because, um, you know, there was a referendum in Australia on uh, becoming a Republican. Australia is perhaps known to have more of a Republican bent, perhaps. Theirs was in 1999, 55% of voters opposed.
1: They opposed what John Howard gave them as an option. And this is where you have to be very careful what you put before the people. If you ask New Zealanders, do you want to become a republic with a Trump-style presidency, most people will say no, and even I would say absolutely not. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about transitioning the non-executive ceremonial role of the governor-general in Wellington to be that of our head of state and i don't think anybody could uh, object to having a uh, debate about that and and a referendum uh, we're not talking it's not a political role and we're saying that the head of state should be chosen by parliament majority of parliament uh, and it shouldn't be open the office to former politicians so you wouldn't have right. president clark we wouldn't have president key uh, we've got many good people in new zealand including our former former governors general who would make excellent heads of state. Um, And at the moment, we we don't give them the opportunity. We expect them to do all the work. Cindy Kiro does all the work as if she was head of
0: state. Don't get the mana.
1: She doesn't get the mana, the prestige or the respect, both domestically and internationally. How many Kiwis know her name?
0: Okay, fair point. Uh, Let's bring in the panel on this. Uh, uh, the, The idea of a referendum. Has the time now Come, listeners, weigh in on this, please. 2101 Nalini.
2: Hi, hi. Bita, um, I sat through the whole thing from start to end. I was absolutely mesmerised. It's something that, you know was he yes. probably ever going to be, I probably were ever going to see once. But yes. one of the things that stood out for me, and that is what came to mind when this topic came up for today about um, republicanism, and that is the role of the church in the king's life. You know, he's the head of the Church of England, if I'm not wrong. And yes. to, from my observation, one step away from Jesus Christ. Uh, we are a, a more secular society, certainly growingly so, Um, And I'm just wondering how much of that registers in people's minds and and is why maybe we are more and more in favour of becoming a republic.
1: I think you have an excellent point there because New Zealand in the 21st century is now a multicultural and secular, i.e. basically non-religious society. We have many religions in this country. But if we make no change, for the next 80 years or so, if we have uh, first Charles, then William, then George, we're going to have um, Protestant male heads mm. of state who are basically Anglicans. Now, I'm raised to the Anglican Church myself, so I can say that, but I don't think that person can represent the reality of Aotearoa New Zealand today.
2: It, I also come from, from Fiji, where, as you know, the country was um, declared independent in 1970 and, and less than 18 years later had its first coup. Yes. So I'm very aware of how things can start with best of intentions and, and certainly not end up with the results that was yes. intended. And, and I have the same fears for New Zealand. By no means am I saying we'll take the same track. But yes. the question that comes from my concerns is how prepared are we? Do we really understand what is required to become a republic? And do we understand the difference between between the, um, the Commonwealth realm and the Commonwealth of Nations? Because yes, we certainly will not stop becoming a Commonwealth of Nations member, do we, if we become a republic?
1: Yes, we do. We stay in, in, we stay in the Commonwealth. Yeah. That doesn't change in any way. It's a point that many people raise. And I've heard people say, well, we can't become a republic because we'll become a banana republic like mm-hmm. Sudan or something like that. And I think we show far too much faith in the ability of New Zealanders to to govern themselves and determine uh, this for themselves. Now, Fiji's classic
2: mm. coup
1: culture mm. is something you wouldn't get in New Zealand. I have much more faith in New Zealand's ability mm. to, so do uh, I... to govern itself. So but I James?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm reminded of the flag debate we had mm. when the, the way that the question was framed was became all important, was which flag do you like, not should we change the flag. So first of all, yeah. Peter, I'm wondering if you think, would we... Would we be in a dif- different position now had the flag been changed? Would that be something that would aid in a bit a further discussion of r- moving to a republic? And if not, then what's the, what's, the, what's the watershed moment? What's the key? I noticed you said earlier a debate to be had over a number of years. Yes. So what's the, when's the time? What's, if, this, if now isn't the mm-hmm. time, then what is, when is the time?
1: Now, now is the time to start the debate and have the debate uh, which I hope would lead eventually to a decision by Parliament. And we have a referendum to Parliament seeking a referendum, uh, a petition to Parliament seeking a referendum. We should have the debate now uh, and and look to having a, a referendum in, in a couple of years' time. I think that's very, very important. The flag debate was, was badly handled and we were given awful options. And I know that many Republican sympathisers and people like Jacinda Down, who is a Republican, voted against any change to the flag because they didn't like the options that were given to them. So we've got to be very careful how we handle this.
0: Uh, be a fair bit of support here. Yes, please, a Republic with a apolitical person like our Governor-General as our person. Someone says, I do not want President Winston Peters. That's as as... Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter says it's not going to happen, is it? Have an Irish what? form of uh, president, uh, says someone. Um, yeah, so, uh, but finally, uh, Peter, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins said on BBC that we have a system that works quite well at the moment. Is it perfect? No. But there just hasn't been a groundswell of support. And that groundswell of support would have come for this issue, particularly after the Queen's funeral didn't happen.
1: No, and the coronation and Charles's first visit out here will uh, encourage uh, interest in the monarchy. But we have to ask the question, what can Charles do for New Zealand? And you can't escape the fact that he can do very, very little. And he can do nothing for us in the international context. We are missing out on that. So there are certain facts you cannot escape. Uh, of course, the status quo appeals to many people. Uh, but I don't think the status quo reflects who New Zealand is going forward into the future.
0: Good on you Peter, thank you very much That's Peter Hamilton, former Deputy Secretary of New Zealand's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade Someone says uh, they had no options, come on What about that republic with the laser Kiwi flag, which actually was brilliant And also Nalini, wasn't it an incredible ceremony?
2: It was I was
0: was just in awe
2: Absolutely was, I mean the the um, penny is it penny
0: Penny Mordaunt. Oh
2: my God! Holding that sword up for that star. long. Just a star. And I also thought, you know, when when the king stood up and both of his his hands were occupied, and I thought, how strong is his core muscle? Yeah. He needs to be able to get up with all and that the, regalia. And the
0: anointing, James, didn't it just put the chills through your spine? Well, I thought the anointing.
3: Those, the guys that brought the screens out—they were like the yeah. equivalent of the pallbearers at the Queen's funeral. You know, the precision with which they carried those screens and placed them and stood guard, if you like, on the corners. That was the, that was a really interesting See, we'll, moment m- we'll miss all of that. We we'll, miss, <laughs> we'll miss all of that, won't we? Exactly. Wallace,
2: was that olive oil anointed king? What, do you know what one is anointed with? You're the, Now,
3: yes, yes I have ca- it. It came from, came from Jerusalem, I yes, think. Yes, yes, I have it somewhere here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, was it Palestinian? Anyway, yeah. it's 19 past four of the panel to this new data shows that mortgage rates have now exceeded what many borrowers were stress tested for in the reserve bank's financial stability report for May it says that some of the test rates used by banks during the low interest period between late 2020 and late 2021 are lower than they are now about a quarter of current mortgage lending originated during this time and about a fifth are first home buyers and about half of borrowers are either on floating rates or will need to refix in the next year so what does this mean for households a few numbers there let's uh, get them all explained by Centrix Managing Director Keith McLaughlin Kia ora Keith
4: Good afternoon Wallace
0: Well data from March showing nearly 12% of borrowers were behind with payments that's not insignificant is it?
4: No, it's not. And it's the trend. It's been trending upwards throughout the last eight months, which is probably more of a concern than the actual raw numbers.
0: Yeah. Are you expecting this to go up?
4: Um, yes. I think at the moment, um, unless there is some changes probably around the cost of living or the interest rates, then there will continue to be pressure on, on a certain sector of their households. And they're the ones... who as you alluded to earlier, bought uh, with very high mortgages at very low interest rates and have been affected by the the recent uplift. Mm.
0: So uh, I think it was mentioned uh, somewhere that you were um, quite stunned. Actually, as am I and many listening, just how quickly a market can turn. Uh, We would have you on two years ago and the housing market was just so very different.
4: Yes, and I think it's a combination of factors. And I think you know, when you look at New Zealanders, they go into into loans with full expectation that they'll meet those obligations. Mm. And it's generally matters beyond their control that, that cause arrears and things like, you know, a change of matrimonial circumstances or unknown expense that hits you. And in this case, you've got both cost of living and also the increase in interest rates hitting uh, a large number of households.
3: A double whammy, James Elliot. Yeah, I think it reflects also, doesn't it, the, the desire as Kiwis to own their own homes, drives that a lot. You know, in other countries, there's an acceptance that renting is a more equal or achievable financial proposition. Um, but yeah, the numbers are, they really are staggering.
0: Yeah, uh, stay there. Keith uh, Nalini?
2: Oh, Keith, hi. Um, hi. Do you, do, uh, this thing, the stress test, now that's something that I've only just paid attention to today. Do you think? Generally, people understand what it is, how banks apply it to determine whether borrowing is possible for their clients?
4: Well, look, I can't speak directly on behalf of the banks because it's a decision they make. As a credit bureau, we have no input into the stress testing at all. We just try and determine the risk. Um, Every lending institution will set their own stress test and they will do that based on their own assumptions as to where the market's going to move. And so it's banks and finance companies who are lending into that market their economists will determine
2: where they think that stress test should be. So, very briefly looking at the rates, gone from, in 2017, lending rates around 4% dropped to 3 to about 2.5. At the moment, I think most banks sitting around about 7.9. Inflation at about 6.7%, right? Um, Is the movement in salary and wages keeping up with it, or are we going to see a really, really sharp drop, which is going to plunge us into a a very sharp recession?
4: Again, I'm not an economist so it's a difficult question for me to answer Um, but look I I think it's a a certain sector of the market. Mm -hmm. Those who who borrowed during that period of time uh, made some very heavy commitments and and are now being squeezed. There's a Mm -hmm. large sector of the economy out there, the population out there who really uh, have either paid down or paid off their mortgages Mm -hmm. who are totally unaffected by this as Mm -hmm. far as the interest rates are concerned. And, of course, they're probably less impacted by the cost of living increases.
0: Although you're saying – I was going to jump in here, Keith. The other Mm -hmm. aspect, though, on this is it's not just the mortgage, is it? Because Mm -hmm. um, this is a big number. 429,000 households now have some form of missed payments, be it personal loans, car loans, or the mortgage. That's a lot of households in New Zealand.
4: It's a lot of households and, uh, you know, if you go back to 2017, the arrears were tracking down very nicely over a period of time oh. because of responsible lending and because of um, more credit information being available and better decisions, but the last eight months that trend has reversed. So yes, um, and, and t- people tend to pay their mortgage or their car finance secured lending back first and it's things like credit cards and personal loans that get pushed pushed out. So. A large percentage of those arrears do relate to non-household lending.
0: Very good, Keith Kia ora. Thank you for your time, uh, as always. That's Keith McLaughlin there, the Centrics Managing Director mm-hmm. there. Uh, so uh, certainly not uh, uh, not welcome news as arrears, mm-hmm. missed payments, trending up. James.
3: Yeah. Well, and there are some options for banks. You can have a re- possible restructure of the loan. You can shift to yep. interest only. You can Good have point. an extended term. So there are there are things that can at least be considered. If yes. the banks are
2: willing to. If the banks are willing to. Yeah. Oh,
3: absolutely. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a what, dialogue, yes.
2: As a small business owner, I can tell you this much. The war in Ukraine has put our cost of goods up so much. Has it? Oh, yes. Packaging, you know, any anything you're importing, shipping costs, the cost of products itself, packaging, your bottles, your tins. All of that comes down to us, and we're the ones left with basically holding the baby because there's only so much my customer is willing to see as price increases. So, And a lot of these mom and dad, we're a a country of small and medium-sized businesses. A lot of these mom and dads with mortgages also own businesses. And they so, will feel yeah. the same thing that I'm feeling right so now. So you
0: have you have a sit down with your business partner and you go, okay. To, so yes. uh, to what to, to 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 what extent do we pass on the costs and mm. what are they willing to pay? Oh, for able us to give a float, mm. uh, able to pay. Mm. Yes. All right. Uh, Twenty five. A pass for the panel. Uh, a life changing moment. Famed chemistry. Oh, this really got me. This one. Famed chemistry laureate Benjamin List on the meaning of life has gone viral. A rather profound meditation on the meaning of life that we might desire to attain objects, cars, shoes, but if you've ever faced a life-threatening situation, just the ability to breathe a coffee in the morning is such a
4: blessing. This almost dying in the ocean and almost losing my family, right, that really for several months sort of fixed me in in that i lost the this desire for recognition that people cite me and that i get an award and that finally my great um understanding is appreciated by the world right i completely lost it so it got me
0: thinking What's a moment that changed your life? It could be profound, could be tiny. Why don't you email me at panel at rnz.co.nz and we'll come back to it also on Friday because we've had some uh, lovely responses. Uh, just one for now, though. A cold grey drizzly day in Christchurch winter 1996. I arranged to meet the love of my life mid-afternoon at the motel we were staying on busy Papanui Road. She had been to St George's Hospital for a routine mammogram. She was late returning. I got a bit grumpy after waiting a while. I went out to the road to see if she was coming. She was still 200 meters away when I saw her walking toward me in the rain. But even from that distance, I could tell instantly that she was carrying a huge burden of dreadful news. She was. Life changed in that instant. We met, we embraced in the middle of Papanui Road, oblivious to the traffic and the rest of the world around us. We were consumed by love, fear and the realisation of what lay ahead of us. It was all a long time ago now. She's long gone. I'm still here.
3: But both our lives changed in that moment, that's extremely powerful, very, how, very powerful. How about that? Mm. Yeah. I don't have one of those moments. I can't really trace anything back to a significant moment. I can appreciate how that can be for others, but yeah, I don't have one of those life, life-affirming or life-changing incidents that I can refer to. More that, like the little random ones, I think.
0: But that is, nearly that's just—it's such a visual representation of life-changing, Abe. Eh? Yes, you know, true. you see your loved one walking down the road. You see, there's a, you see on her face that there's something really not right, and you hug it out in the middle of Papanui Road. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. I was very, very young when I was taken to the hospital to see my mum, who who was in coma. Um, She'd just given birth, and um, it was a very difficult birth, and I was a very little girl. And I remember being taken in by my grandmother, and... Right through that walk to her, to the ward where she was in, my grandmother said to me, when you get there, don't cry. Tell mummy she'll be fine and she'll be back. I've never forgotten that ever, Wallace. We lost our sister, but we got our mum back. And that was one of the most life-changing moments of my life.
0: James, (laughs) can you share a small... Moment for us.
3: Well, anything I have feels very insignificant in relation no, to those. No, but, but nothing I, is. I can tell you, I can tell you, the reason I'm one of the reasons I'm sitting here today, mid 1990s, being a best man at a friend's wedding in the UK, travelling from New Zealand to the UK for this particular event, and worked very, very hard at making this a speech, best man speech, supposed to be humorous, supposed mm-hmm. to be funny. So I did a good job, as good a job as I could do. And somebody who I didn't know, who was at the wedding, came up to me afterwards and said, "You could do that professionally." And you should you should think about doing that professionally. And so from that sort of small beginnings, came back and had a go at a comedy club open mic and so on and so on and so on. And so that's part of that. that that's the starting point anyway from the journey to, to here talking to you about porridge. And now you're on the panel. <laughs> that's
0: right. Now you're on the panel. Speaking of porridge... Do you want to know how many responses we got about that? I'd love to know. Just extraordinary. Here's a couple for you. Linda says My Dutch mother in law used to eat porridge with a little salt sprinkled over and a big lump of butter melted over the top. Oh. Another one here oats, egg, banana, chopped dates, cinnamon, microwave two minutes, yum. John says There's only one thing you need in your porridge, Wallace. What's that? Whiskey. You're on the panel on RNZ (laughs) National. Uh, We have the song whisperer this afternoon. I'm tired of the city life. Summer's on the run. Text me 2101.